0: Father, we thank you that you promised to show up wherever we gather. And we we thank you, Lord, that your spirit also, Lord, is promised to help us understand your word. And So, God, we pray that as we open your word today, that our hearts and our minds would be open to what you have to share with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm very excited about this. I went on vacation the last two weeks for a, like a spiritual retreat by myself up in the mountains and uh, created this message. God put it on my heart, you know, weeks before that and got everything in line. And yesterday when I was in Lubbock uh, in hotel yesterday morning, I kind of opened it up and looked I thought, Yeah, that's it, God, like the verses, everything, it, you know, so they say sometimes when a, a message uh, is actually spoken more to the guy speaking it, it's going to be good. So uh, hopefully this will come out like it's supposed to today. And I got to tell you, I think I'm preaching to myself as much, if not more, than I am to you. But I think when you hear this topic, uh, disconnecting from our technology in a healthy way to try to connect with other people, especially in this time, you're probably going to find it very relevant. In fact, we uh, were very excited. We had this series planned months ago. We thought we're going to move it to this time. And it's so good because last week, John talked about, you know, connecting with God, Today, connecting with others intentionally. And then next week, we'll be talking about uh, connecting with the world, kind of like our mission statement. So uh, very excited. We're going to be in a lot of the New Testament, a lot of different verses we're going to be looking at. but. Uh, This week, I think I kind of cheated on you, if I will, because I got to experience what this is like with the technology and then trying to actually be with God and spending that time. Uh, I went out there, and it was the first time in 20 years I went by myself up to this place in Wyoming. And so I was going to really spend time with my four good friends, Jesus, Smith, Wesson, and Ruger, right? So I, I took... Actually morning, I had my coffee and my Bible, and I had my little gun with me because I'm going out in the woods away from the cabin. I'm thinking, you never know. What kind of, there's a lot of bears up there and stuff. And Fortunately, I didn't have to use any of it, but had a great time with Jesus. But here's what I would find, especially the first couple days. Um, and a little side note here, some of you may not know, but there's places in our country that you don't have bars. And I'm not talking about drinking bars. There were no bars up there, but you have no bars on your phone. Like, cell phone coverage is gone. Every year when I, when I go up there, it's like, okay, 12 miles away, 11, 10. I'm like, oh, here it goes. And at seven miles away, the world is gone. Nobody can get me. I love it. I'm thinking someday AT&T is going to drop a pole right up there on the mountain. I'm like, no. Anyway, I'm out there with Jesus, reading, and, and you know, you, so you put your Bible down, and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, now I'm going to do this prayer meditation stuff where I stop, you know, and I kid you not, like two minutes in, the first couple of days, I go reach down to get my phone. It's almost like a habit, right? You get distracted and you want to pick up that technology. And how many times do you just pick it up and you're like, well, I'm just going to check the news. or I don't know what to do. I'm going to look at the weather. I'm going to, you know, check sports. And sometimes you'll pick your phone up and just look at it and think, well, what should I do now? Have you ever been there? You're like, well, I'm just bored. So I got to figure something out. Yeah. That tells us we have a problem. And we've said this before when we preach on technology is that technology in and of itself is amoral, right? It's basically when the internet came out, it wasn't bad or good. It's how we utilize it for either good or for bad. And so we're not saying, oh, don't use any technology because obviously we're trying to help people connect online here. You gotta use technology. And if you wanna do small groups, sometimes you use Zoom, you name it, that's good. It's just how do you balance it? So today we're going to look at God's word, and believe me, God's word has stuff to say about this, a lot of stuff, and try to get some practical ideas toward the end of how in the world do we disconnect from our technology and better connect with the people that God puts around us. So there's a study that I want to share with you that will kind of bring home this point. It's not biblical. in the world, secular, but this study is going to tell you, boy, this is important, okay? It's called the Grant Study, and it's out of Harvard. Some of you may have heard of this. This study was started in 1937. To all of our knowledge of history, this is the longest sociological and relational study of human beings that has been done in history over decades in fact, there were 300, 300 men that were originally in this study, and only men because in 1937, Harvard only had men in school there. There were no women. So 300 sophomores agreed to let these, these researchers follow them for decades to try to figure out what was the key to happiness in life. Was it their genes, their makeup, their body structure, what relation? Was it uh, how successful they were in business? You name it. In fact, a picture taken some years back showed, I think there were like 19 of these guys left uh, uh, some years back, and these were the remaining of the 300. Very few, very few remaining now, I'm sure, because you'd have to be around 100, but they're actually studying their kids at 50, 60, 70 years old. It's an amazing study. And as each generation comes in, there's different researchers at Harvard that will uh, research different questions. And one of the head researchers at one time, his name was Garrett, he was asked a question. They said, you know, what is the greatest thing that you found of this study in these people and their lives and happiness? He says this, he says, in the end, the only thing that matters is the depth and the quality of relationships you developed, I'm going to say that again because this is important. In the end, the only thing that mattered was the depth and the quality of relationships that they developed. It wasn't how much money they did or didn't make, how successful they were in business. Uh, some had gone through divorces, some not, all sorts of you know, kids, whether they're successful at school or not. In the end, it was all about the relationships you built, built that brought peace and happiness. In fact, digging down a little deeper, they said those, when they were, those men that when they were 50 to 55 years old who had a bunch of quality, deep relationships, they were the most healthy overall at age 80. Some of y'all are like, I'm a little bit behind. I'm 60. I got to work on this. I mean, today is your day to start. Hey, okay? you develop those relationships. Allow God to do what he has designed for you to do as you connect with others. And all sorts of good things, God's design will happen in your life. In fact, Jesus is all about this. I thought, where better to start than with Jesus? He has a lot of good stuff to say, in fact, even the way he lives. So we're going to jump in here at the beginning. And if you're at home, you can follow along. We're in John 17. It will be in different places. Uh, if The outline, if you have it here, the, all the things are printed out for you. You can also go to our YouVersion app and uh, click on the event at St. John, and all the answers will be there as well. So John 17, where do we find Jesus? This is in John 16 and 17. This is where Jesus is giving what they would call his priestly prayer. What does that mean? He is at the end of his life, and he is praying for you. He is praying for the followers that are with him and those that will come. And that's you. Whether you believe in Jesus right now, that's you. Or you're a follower, okay? Maybe you're trying to, you're getting your your foot out there and saying, I think I want to follow Jesus and learn about this guy because he seems pretty wise. And my life could be better by doing so. And that's true. So he is praying for you. And here's what he says to the father. He says, I will remain in the world no longer. Okay, this is Thursday. He's going to be betrayed that night, crucified tomorrow. He says, He I will remain no longer. But they, that's y'all, are still in the world. And I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me. And here it is, so that they may be one as we are one. Not that you may isolate or go on a mountain all by yourself for for months and, and just do your thing, but that you may be unified and one. Jesus could have prayed all sorts of different things, and he probably had some other things, but John put in there what was most important in this prayer to Jesus, that his final prayer was that you would be one. You would be unified, connected together. How's it going? I imagine if you live alone, that's pretty hard these days because church might be one of the few places you go in the grocery store or the doctor. And you might be online right now. You might not have seen people in person for days. Let me tell you, we have some solutions we're gonna be talking about at the end. I first want you to, to understand how important this is to God. It's on his heart. It's the last thing Jesus prayed. He said, Lord, I'm praying for them to be one. Now, here's what we also learn is that relationships, they don't just happen Rather, they grow from intentional work. Relationships don't just happen, they grow. Like, think about this. When you are dating somebody, you intentionally are working it. You're like, man, I'm going to call them, and I'm going to text them, I'm going to take them out, I'm going to bring them flowers, I'm going to get them gifts, I'm going to send them cards, give them cards in the mail, I'm going to leave things to surprise them. All this work and the relationship grows. And if you're blessed enough to make it about two to three years in, there's no wind in the sail sometimes. They're like, how come you don't do like you did when we first started dating? I'm so busy. All these excuses. And you realize that it starts starts to wither, right? The relationship gets anemic. It does not grow without work. We know this in all all, all relationships, everything we do. Our relationship with diets, right? Yeah, I'm going to lose some weight. If you do nothing, you're not, it's not going to happen unless you like, do nothing like don't eat. But you got to work at it, right? Things that you want to have happen in quality, it's intentional. Relationships are the same thing. And one way to be intentional is this. We must intentionally disconnect to connect. We must intentionally disconnect to connect. What that means is it just doesn't happen that our phone goes down. It just doesn't happen that we have eye contact face-to-face. We pay attention to our our spouse, our kids, our loved ones, our friends. I mean, it has almost become, I think, the, the social norm. Like, people expect it's okay to start looking at your phone when you're in a conversation. Have We've gotten there, haven't we? Some of you, that still bothers. I hear people are like, I can't believe I was talking to somebody the other day, and they just decided to pick up their phone and start reading it. Really? I mean, You're right. That's not a good design for relationship living, but that's where we've come to. I got to tell you, with this watch, it is so hard. Like I entered back in last night uh, uh, to the house and hadn't seen my wife in a couple weeks. I'm like, all excited. We're talking like three or four hours, this and that, you know. And I was so grateful that my phone was in the other room, but I forgot my watch was on. And if you don't have one of these watches, you can set it. Unfortunately, go all these different things. If you're getting email and text and news, this and that. So um, it's hard not to go. Oh, yeah, honey. Uh huh. Yeah. I mean, it's not good, right? (laughs) It doesn't doesn't go well. But this is what we're facing. So, Jesus is going to show us how not only do we have to be intentional about the relationship, but we have to intentionally disconnect to connect with others. Jesus connected, first of all, with 12. His example is with 12. And if you're thinking, what do you mean by 12? Who are the 12? These are the 12. Disciples, the followers that he chose to be, his guys he was going to intentionally hang with and develop relationship. Look at here in Mark chapter three. It says he appointed twelve that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. So where we meet Jesus is he's starting ministry. He's thirty years old. He's going to have three years of public ministry, and then he's going to be crucified at the age of thirty three. So three years. And he chooses these 12. And what does it tell us? It says that he chooses them to be with him so that they can go out and preach. And when we talk about being with Jesus, I mean, he did life with them for three years. They left their families. They traveled together for three years. They ate together. They visited. They preached. They prayed. They healed. All this stuff. I mean, they camped together with Jesus. And there were times the Bible tells us that he did go off uh, alone and in solitude for a brief time, maybe to pray to his father sometimes all night long, but he always came back to them and he intentionally did life with them. And as, 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 he, as he did this, he was demonstrating, Jesus demonstrated for us a connected life. We don't have to look much farther. We say, okay, Jesus, how does this happen? How do you do this? So first of all, don't get discouraged right now thinking, oh man, I have to get 12 friends. That's a little overwhelming, okay? Start with one. Start with one and say, okay, who, God, maybe you've already, maybe you're married, maybe you got a best friend, maybe you got, you know, uh, one kid still at home, a, a grandkid you love. You had that one person, a neighbor, a friend, Bible study, you're, that one person that you're like, you know what, God has called me to do life with this person intentionally and to spend that time. I mean, I don't care how old or how young you are, if if you got a kid, a friend on your blog or someone that's that's in your social group, your media group, God is calling you to have that at least one friend and maybe 12, right? Some people are just social butterflies. So he demonstrated this way, and what I'm, what I'm going to show you with the next few texts is that he lived this and he led this way. He lived this way and he led this way of the connected life. First place I want to look is Matthew 17. We're going to drop in and catch Jesus here. It says, after six days, so he was doing ministry, and it says, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. So here's what we learn, and we look in the biographies of Jesus, that what we call the Gospels. We're going to see quite a few places where Jesus takes these three guys that we will call his inner circle, Peter, James, and John. So he has the 12, but he has these three. He says, I am going to pour into their lives. I'm going to do life with them. And we drop in right here in Matthew 17, where he takes them to the transfiguration. Now... You don't need to remember the word transfiguration. I mean, you, actually, you can look at your wife and be like, wow, you really transfigured really well. She'd be like, you like my figure? Anyway, the word transfiguration, we don't use that, but this is what happened, is that Jesus takes the three up to the mountain. While they're there, Jesus is praying. God shows up, and Moses and Elijah, two Old Testament characters, these guys in the Old Testament who were, they were with God. And Jesus, it says, his, he was as bright as white. I mean, the whitest you ever seen his face, you name it. And Peter was so enamored and so like just blown away that he says, Jesus, I think we need to put up three tents here. We need to hang here, experience this. And just like that, it was done. They go down. What was Jesus doing? He was, he was sharing a very intimate, important part of his life journey on earth with those three guys. He was sharing it with those three. He was laying a foundation in that relationship for something that would happen in the future. Look at this next verse. It's in Mark 14. He says, he, that's Jesus, took Peter again, James and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. So now we jump into Jesus' life and we find him at the end of his life. It's Thursday night in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's right before he is betrayed and arrested and then crucified the next day. And it says he was deeply distressed. In fact, other parts of the Bible tell us that he was so distressed during this time of prayer with God that he was actually sweating blood. People are like, what in the world are you talking about? Science will tell us that that actually happens in rare occasions when people are super stressed or distressed. And so you think about the pain and the the, the sorrow that Jesus was in and who does he have closest to him? Peter, James, and John, right? Peter, James, and John. You know what he was doing? He was developing over those three years a deep enough relationship that when he needed them most, at least at that time, they were gonna be there for him And, and, and they were gonna be there when he needed them. This is key to a connected life. I've seen this here at St. John for over 10 years, and, and I've been in ministry almost 20. And I, I got to tell you, it is beautiful when I see this happen with you. I can't tell you how many times people will say, well, you know what? I'm going to chemo. And uh, do you need a ride? No. Uh, we people from my small group are taking me. And oh, we just had a baby. You need, you need food? No, people in our small group, they're bringing food over. They're going to get our medicine. They're going to get what we need. And then on the, the opposite side of that is that uh, people are like, what are you doing? We're cutting down a tree. What are you doing? Well, we're doing this because there's people in our small group that have need. It's like an gift of, uh, expanded gift of a family that God is just laying out there in front of you. And you may be a part of group life or you've been in it in different churches and they have all different names like life groups, small groups, uh, care groups. It doesn't matter what the name is. It's that God calls us to be connected with other people in a group. And the church is that last place that you wanna be alone. Okay, you come here for a lot of reasons. A major reason God gives you is a gift to connect with other people. This is how Jesus lived. And then in Luke chapter 10, This is how Jesus led, okay? He lived, lived, and this is how he led. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. So he sent people before him to kind of check out the land, lay it out, get people prepared. And he didn't send them one at a time. He did two by two. And this wasn't the ark and animals. This is people, two by two. And think about it. They go out to do some ministry and, and talk about supporting each other, the connected life. Be like, man, can you can even believe how many people didn't open their doors? Like we're a bunch of Mormons coming around or something. They're not gonna, they answer for us. And they're like, oh, we're going back to Capernaum. The food was so good at her house, right? I mean, all this time, the joys, the excitements, the ups and the downs, you get to share that with somebody. It's not to be alone. Life is not to be lived alone. And so God sent them out two by two. Now, here's where it gets kind of crazy if you think about yourself. This next point, it's you. It is you, okay? And it it really is. Look at Jesus entrusted them to create a connected community. And by them, I mean you too. Here's what he did. So Jesus died. He's crucified. He rose from the dead, right? He defeated death, Satan, all this stuff. I mean, he is victorious. He's alive. And who is he going to then like hand over the keys to the car to? You. Who's he going to give this, this newfound, this kingdom, this, this blessing, all the, the goods of, of, of the Christian church that we would call it? You. He did this to his earliest followers. Listen to this. He gives them this, what we call the Great Commission. Now, some of you could probably give this to me because you know it so well in Greek, in German. I'm going to read it to you in English. It says this, Therefore, Go and make disciples of all nations. That means like teaching them about Jesus and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teach them everything I've commanded you. And then he promises, he says, surely I am with you to the end of the ages. So check this out. These followers whom scattered, basically the night he was betrayed, he brought them back and he said, you know, I'm gonna give you, Trust ministry to you. I want you to start creating groups. And you know what? They did it. Just a few weeks later, after the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them at a day called Pentecost, thousands started to join the church. And here's what they did. In Acts chapter 2, we meet up again. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. They gathered together and said, you know what? We cannot survive on our own we have to do life together. This is how God created it. How many of you have ever been to Cook Children's Hospital, Fort Worth? And if some of you here work there, right? Like, yes, I go there like six days a week, Yeah. So I, I love when my kids were younger, going in there um, to minister to people because I could take the kids if I had them that day, and I would go love on people, pray with the families upstairs, and then when you go downstairs, all sorts of fun things like you know, like this self-serve yogurt that is—I guarantee it weighs a lot more when I weigh it on that scale than I think when it's coming out of the thing. I mean, it's good stuff. Anyway, you go down the hall from that yogurt place, and you're going to find um, a Lego, okay, and one Lego by itself is it may look good, but it doesn't feel good. Okay, you ever stepped on one of these things in the middle of the night, your kids or grandkids leave night, like, ah, I mean, terrible. But you put a thousands and thousands of these Legos together at Cook's Children, you go down the hall, this is what you're gonna find. They, out of Legos, made a huge, about eight foot by 10 foot display of their entire campus. Look at this thing. It is so cool to look at. And I was always amazed thinking you have that one little Lego, and you put thousands of them together, and what a beautiful creation you can make, right? You just want to stare at the beauty of it. How exciting, how creative. You are like that Lego. You might hurt to get stepped on, but together, with a lot of, a lot of you together, you will make a beautiful, beautiful creation of a group. See, this is what God intended for us to be, to disconnect from all the technology and actually spend some time together. So here at St. John, what we do is it's called grilling groups. And if you're new, basically, it's a three-week opportunity to spend some time with other people. And I have uh, two things I want you to think about. We're not actually going to form these groups this quarter until September. We're going to have sign-up sheets and everything in September like we normally do. But today, I want you to think about this and pray. Say, do I want to be a part of a group? Is this the first time I'm going to jump out and say, you know what? What? I'm gonna live a connected life with some other people, especially during this hard time. There's a lot of people out there who are isolated and need and need you. The second thing I'm gonna do is, is this, is I want you to pray about, think about being a leader. And I know there's a lot of you out there that are gifted leaders. I mean, you're educated, you're responsible. Many of you have had showers today. Your hair looks good, right? And maybe pray about thinking, is this the time God is leading me to pray and lead a group. But think about this. I will not leave you on your own. If you're going to lead a group, I will walk you through it. I will teach you. I will be there every step of the way to help you lead a group. So I'm going to stop talking now and introduce my friend Eric. Eric is the guy who has led numerous grilling groups for us, and I want you to hear his experience.
1: Hello, everyone. My name is Eric Goodman and uh, I am a member here at St. John with my family. Uh, Currently, I'm active in the youth programs with the junior high and the high school. And in addition to that, I'm very grateful to serve on the board of directors, representing the congregation as the president of that board. Today, I'd like to take a a moment to speak to you about our grilling groups here at St. John. So grilling groups really provide uh, my three favorite things all in one place, people, food and God's word. So I'd like to talk to each one of those for a moment. So first you have people. You're going to get an opportunity to sign up for a grilling group. You can choose to lead, host or participate. Now leading and hosting might sound like the same thing, but it's not necessarily. You can host but have someone come to your home and do the leading of the of the group and of the of the study. However, you could also host a virtual meeting that everyone would join and and you could lead or someone else can. So those are both kind of built together and can be separate, but participating is the most important thing. Now, if you feel like you'd like to lead, if you feel like you've been drawn to that, but you're a little worried about it, don't worry, because Pastor Tim is going to provide you with some training. He's going to even provide a, a, a practice grilling group, which will include food, which is the next part. If you're worried about groups being created, that's not a problem either. Just, uh, just if you're filling out your form and you like somebody to join your group, put their name on there. If you'd like to join somebody's group, put the name on there. I mean, even better yet, invite some neighbors over to your home during your grilling group, because this is all about building the kingdom through meeting the people around us. Next, let's talk about that food. Okay, you might be worried about how to how to get enough food or how to prepare the food. But listen, I know some of you love to cook. This is your chance to show off. So you can cook for your friends, your new friends. If you're you're not so much of a cooker, you can do a potluck. You know, us Lutherans, we love potlucks. And then there's also always the opportunity to to go out and get some takeout. And here's a neat idea. Strike up your grill. Tell everybody to bring their own meat, B-O-M. Everybody bring a side. Food's taken care of. And everybody's going to be satisfied. The last part, the most important part, is God's word. We'll be doing a Bible study over this three-week time period of the grilling groups. If you're worried about what that'll be, when you go to the leader training, Pastor Tim will be providing a particular study to use for it, and he's going to provide it to all the grilling groups to be used through our Right Now Media outlet. Now, all members of St. John are members of Right Now Media. If you've never logged on and used it or you're unsure how to do it, go ahead and contact Linda Fife. She'll get you connected. Now, there are thousands of Bible studies, of course, over a multitude of topics on Right Now Media. If that's daunting, but you, so you're not sure what to pick, reach out to Pastor Tim. Let him know what kind of topic you're looking for. He'll speak to some of the staff and some of us. And we'll come up with some, a list of recommendations. So you'll be able to have a solid Bible study with your new friends. Now, the last thing I want to talk to you about is commitment. You might be worried about what this looks like in the big picture. I've taken parts in numerous uh, grilling groups over the years and really enjoyed every one of them. One grilling group in particular has has stuck. It's become a life group, a small group. We meet every week of the year. We've missed a few weeks every now and then, but this group has become family. It's, it's that tight-knit. And what our real hope here, what our real pray, prayer is, is that people will be able to become close together and build this kind of tight, close family. But it's not It's not pressure to do this. What you get to do is you get to meet new people from across our congregation. We have three services, and those services can get a bit distant. When I go to 11 o'clock service, there's a whole lot of folks in the eight o'clock and the 930 that I don't know. Grilling groups gives me a great chance to meet some people from those other services and meet some people within our community. So, you know, what's the worst that can happen here? You can meet for three days, you can meet some great people, have a lot of fun, eat some good food, and you can really delve into God's Word together. So, again, my name is Eric Goodman. If you'd like to contact me, if you have any questions, please reach out to Linda Fife, and she will get us together. I'd love to talk to you.
0: Eric said a couple of times, reach out to Linda Fife. That's our secretary. Just call the church office; she'll be there. If you want to email, it's Linda at SaintJohnMansfield.org. Also, you can go to our website, uh, sign up as well. We tried in May, uh, launched what was called virtual grilling groups, and we had some good success with that as well. So you could actually do a group where you eat food at home and let everybody know, like, look at how good my ribs are. And they're like, you know, yeah, hey, you don't have any. Anyway, you can do that and actually do the study on Zoom, and I can help you with that as well. Some great opportunities to connect.